This is The Adam Ritz Show, a public affairs talk show touching on community, health, foundations, and more. The Adam Ritz Show is underwritten by Vibonomics, an audio out-of-home advertising marketplace and audio experience company. Info at Vibonomics.com. And now, from the Vibonomics studios, please welcome your public affairs radio host, Adam Ritz. Hey there. Happy Labor Day weekend, everybody. My name is Adam Ritz. Jay Baker, the co-host of, uh, of The Telephone. Hi, Jay. How you doing? I am doing great, Adam. Happy Labor Day. We, uh, you know, tend to uh, get in this, I guess, three, four-day weekend mode when uh, Labor Day approaches, and but not here on the show. We are still working. This is a laborious activity recording this show and presenting it on air for our listeners across the country uh, but we're proud to do it and I wanted to jump right into it with um, a gentleman uh, I spent some time with him recently his name is Dallas Clark an NFL veteran he played 12 years in the NFL um, most recently before his retirement with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers he spent most of his career uh, with the Indianapolis Colts he won a Super Bowl in uh, 2006, the season 06-07 with Peyton Manning and that team. Uh, tight end, All-American from the University of Iowa, and I spent some time with him and talked with him about his Dallas Clark Foundation. And Jay, you are a huge football fan. You recall Dallas Clark, don't you? Oh, I absolutely do. And like you said, he's always struck me as sort of that just blue collar, scrappy, get it done guy. He was never flashy, but yet was one of the most dependable targets for Peyton for many years. And yeah, it was fun watching him play uh, for the Colts. So I, I want to talk about his charity and what he's doing right now to raise money for uh, children's hospitals. But before we do that, he's got a pretty inspirational story. And we like to talk about inspiration on this program because I, uh, for one, like to be inspired. And when I hear these motivational stories, it makes me want to do better and perform better. Dallas was not um, a scholarship athlete out of high school. He uh, sent his tapes out, and the only school to respond, uh, and when I say tapes to the younger listeners, Back in the day, you used to have to edit together your high school highlights onto a VHS videotape to send them out to colleges and uh, college recruiters. And the only school to respond to him was the University of Iowa, but they did not have a scholarship for him. They just said, hey, you can uh, come here and walk on, um, but uh, you're more than welcome to give it a shot. And he was a linebacker at the time. I should have mentioned that. He was a linebacker, played defense, was not even close to being a tight end. And his senior year of high school, he broke his collarbone playing baseball. He was a great baseball player. And um, so he goes to the University of Iowa and walks on. In his whole first year, he redshirts because his collarbone's broken. So his whole second year, he gets into um, the kickoff team. I guess, you know, you play, they, they put the people that are expendable on special teams because you don't want right. your starters to, yes. to get hurt running down the field 100 miles an hour running yeah. into the kickoff. So he's, you know, now he's a, he's a redshirt freshman or a second year freshman, whatever you want to call it. And he's running down the field. He re injures the collarbone and he's out for the season. So here he is going into his third season at Iowa and he's, he hasn't played it down. 
and he's been hurt the whole time, and he's not a scholarship player. He's still a walk-on. And he had several nights where he thought about quitting and wasn't going to play. And um, his goal at the time was just to earn a letter jacket at the University of Iowa. Um, and his third year, he finally is healthy. He, uh, he plays. Uh, they move him to tight end. He earns a scholarship. His fourth year, which is actually only his sophomore year playing, because he's only played two years, his second year playing uh, after the injuries, he's 22 years old. He's um, All-American, and, uh, and he foregoes his last two years of eligibility, enters the draft. He's a first-round pick, the 24th pick of the Colts, and the rest is history, 12 years in the NFL. So that is just such an inspirational story to me that you have a young man who um, seemingly has no path to even get the letter jacket, no path to even earn a scholarship, uh, and yet he did both of those things and then some, including 12-year veteran uh, of the of the league with a Super Bowl ring to boot. So that uh, if you're Jay, you're ever laid around thinking, "Woe is me, I can't do it." There are very difficult situations that everybody goes through, and if you just you know grin, uh, bite your teeth, try to get through it. The next thing you know, one one day at a time, one snap at a time, one down at a time. Before you know it, you can achieve greatness. Um, I'm really impressed by that story because. You know, he's such a great athlete. You you could make the assumption, oh, it's always been, you know, super easy for this guy. You know, he just puts on the cleats and the magic begins. But, yeah, talk about you're continually injured and it's the same injury. So now you have all these doubts. And, you know, your goal was just a letter in your sport at the collegiate level and then later on in your career you end up with a Super Bowl ring that you know what are even the odds of that it, it is you you hit the nail on the head because you see a guy like that and you think wow he must have just destroyed people in high school and the day he set foot on his college campus he must have been the man and uh, no it's a situation where um, he wasn't you know the man until several sleepless nights after he maybe thought about quitting. Um, so certainly inspiration. I love the stories. Uh, David Thornton uh, also has a similar story. We've talked to him on the show in the past. He was a 10-year, 11-year veteran of the NFL. He he didn't uh, play or earn a scholarship until his senior year at the University of North Carolina. So um, it's also uh, mind-blowing to think about those guys right out of high school that did start. They were all-conference their freshman year. And four years later, a guy like Dallas Clark took their job and their spot in the NFL. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, yes, uh, perseverance is key. And it also underscores if you have been gifted athletically and you can go out and utilize that gift, it's a precious gift indeed. So, you know, I know it sounds like we're giving people the lecture, but, uh, you, you know, these things are very fleeting and they take a lot of work. So I'm with you. Anytime you hear an uh, inspirational sports story, you can't help but have it affect you. So we now transition to talk about the Dallas Clark Foundation. Since his retirement, he's kept his charity and foundation work going. And uh, to date, he is 
talk about inspiration. He's training right now for an Ironman in uh, in Hawaii, and wow. you know a lot of people. You know, I've done a couple marathons. You know, in in a, a few decades ago, uh, pre hip pain. Um, but a lot of people get into that mode where they'll train for a half marathon, a marathon. Maybe if you're real uppity, you'll do a half Ironman. Uh, Dallas is doing a full Ironman, and I know it's a full 26.2-mile run. I believe it's a 1.2-mile swim, and yes. you're the bike expert. How far is the bike on an Ironman? The bike is, I think, 112 or 116 miles yeah. right in that area. So that's what he's doing. Uh, in uh, I believe in um, in October in Hawaii, and he's using that platform to raise money for uh, children's hospitals. And talk about a connection here with Peyton Manning, his quarterback, who is the namesake of the Peyton Manning Children's Hospital, and then also at the University of Iowa. I know you're familiar with the wave that happens before kickoff with the children's yes. hospital that's right next to the stadium. There are, and if you're not familiar with this, if you're uh, if you're not a, a fan of college football and you've never seen an Iowa home football game, before kickoff, there's a, I, I don't know, I'm going to guess a 20-story building that is literally right next to the stadium. Um, you, you might be able to jump out of the 12th window and land in the last row of the stadium. I, I wouldn't recommend <laughs> it. Please don't. No, uh, please don't do this. You'd have to take a chair and crash <laughs> it through the window to get the window open, but but it's very close to the stadium. And the top floors of that building, it's a children's hospital, and there are terminally ill children in that hospital, in that building, that are watching the game from their hospital room. And before the game starts, everybody in the stadium, both football teams, even the away team, every single fan, all the broadcasters in the press box, everybody looks at that building and all those kids in those windows and they wave and say hello, and it is the. I'm getting chills yes. right now just talking about it. Yeah, it's uh, it's something else, and like you said, uh, combine the pageantry of college football with you know, as you said, an organization that's doing such great things. I mean, it, it is. It, it gives me chills too. So Dallas is raising money for both hospitals, which is just a great connection. Since he played at the University of Iowa, most of his NFL career was in Indianapolis, where the Peyton Manning Children's Hospital is. Uh, he is raising money. Um, he's shooting for, I believe his goal is $2 million, and he wants to give $1 million to each children's hospital. So if you'd like to donate, if this is inspiring you, if any part of the Dallas Clark story inspires you, uh, please go to his website. It's super easy. DallasClarkFoundation.com. DallasClarkFoundation.com. I'll put a link to that URL on uh, on my website associated with this show. You can listen to this show in podcast form, AdamRitzShow.com. And on that episode, this episode, we'll put a link to the website as well. If you'd like to learn more about his foundation or how you can give and donate to this great cause, we wish Dallas the best of luck in his um, um, Ironman. Uh, I spent time with him this week. We are going to have Dallas on the show in the future. He's really busy training right now. After the event, after the Ironman, I'm going to have him on the show to talk about you know, the Ironman and how, how difficult it was. I mean, I can't imagine mile 112 on that bike. <laughs> um, no. Well, uh, and, and, you know, and, and, 
hopefully those that are listening know that the Ironman format is that you do these events one after each other. So you begin with the swim, you hop on the bike, you do 112 miles. Then the tough part is you hop off that bike and do a full marathon. Uh, these events were built by, and the reason why Hawaii is such a, a seminal place to go do the Ironman is athletes sat around one day and were discussing the toughest Hawaiian physical events. And there was the Honolulu Marathon. There was this big bike race that went around a volcanic crater. And then there was this very tough ocean water swim. Well, each one of these events would be something that someone would train for for almost a year to compete in because it required an amazing amount of fitness. Well, somebody said, why not combine all three? There's always that guy, isn't there? And that's how the original Ironman format came about. It is uh it's an insane accomplishment for a human being to to not only do but just to attempt to try it. I 112 miles on a bike and then go run 26 miles. I, I yeah. it'd be really interesting to see um, how fast my systems would shut down and then how soon the funeral would be after that uh, <laughs> if I did it if I tried it. Well, you know, you got to look at it this way. A couple of things would happen. A, they'd probably bury you in Hawaii, and that's a pretty nice spot. And then B, uh, everyone would say uh, he died uh, doing what he hated most, which was working <laughs> way too hard. <laughs> I'll live uh, vicariously through Dallas Clark and his attempt to uh, to do the Iron Man. So we'll have him on the show talk about the uh, the fun, uh, the hard work it was to train and, and actually do the Iron Man, and then of course we'll talk about. Um, the the money raised and and it's not this is not a thing he's doing to raise money by the time the Iron Man happens he's going to uh, after the Iron Man continue the fundraising uh, in the name of that Iron Man um, through media doing interviews like with this show to talk about the Iron Man and continue to raise money for the Peyton Manning's Children's Hospital and the Children's Hospital at the University of Iowa again uh, you can get to his uh, foundation website uh, just through clicking. Um, this episode at adamritzshow.com. Uh, the Adam Ritz Show is brought to you, uh, underwritten in part by Vibonomics, an audio software company uh, doing some cool things. You can learn about them at vibonomics.com. Jay Baker comes on the show to talk about some pretty cool things, too. And since it's Labor Day weekend, uh, I don't even want to try to guess what you're going to talk about because we've got a new month. It's now September. There's uh, a whole new awareness campaign, I'm sure, that we'll talk about in the next few weeks. Um it's end of the summer. Uh, I don't know if that requires preparation for what's about to happen with the fall. Uh, can't wait. <laughs> don't just, you actually have to prep for the fall? Uh, if you, like you have to get your right, you got to get your mind right for the leaves. That's right. You've got to prepare for leaf removal. <laughs> I mean, there's some important things happening. Yeah. Do not rake leaves off the roof of your house. That you know, and that's just a. I think an easy one that, you know, you can store away and we'll do a whole show around that, won't we? I do hire a guy to clean the leaves out of my gutters. And, you you know, when my dad made me do it, it was a painstaking job, death-defying job on a ladder, reaching in with my hands, with snails and muck, pulling out all of that crud. Well, the guy that I hire has like a 15 million 
pounds per square inch um, air blower or leaf blower. And he's not afraid of heights, and he just jumps up on my roof. It takes him about 37 seconds. He just goes to each gutter with this amazing leaf blower and just blows everything out of the gutters. Now, here's the bad news. All that crud and muck just lands on my my yard and my driveway (laughs) and my stoop and my sidewalk. So uh, he does attempt to clean it up a little. Uh, but generally, I have to do the cleanup, which is okay. I'd rather do that than than risk my life on the second floor gutter. Um, but yeah, leaf. We've got a lot to prepare for with with the we changing of the ready, seasons my here. Friend. Well, you know, this does lead into as I love doing research for the show. Uh, you know, this is the time of year where you know the pumpkin spice craze kind of kicks in. If you're a beer lover, there's a lot of fall beers that are brewed yes. that uh, are pumpkin ales and Oktoberfest beers and that. Now, are you a, a big pumpkin spice guy? Are you? I like in a, that camp. I like a virgin pumpkin colada. If the whipped cream is right, I, you know, I'm not <laughs> pumpkin to me is I I'll do a, I'll probably have a pumpkin spice latte, but it's going to have to be uh, in October. I won't do it in September and it'll have yeah, to be it's a little soon. It'll have yes. to be uh, a cool day. I, I do enjoy a cool fall day, especially maybe a football tailgate. Uh, but even though I do drink coffee when it's 90 degrees out, I'll drink hot coffee like it's nobody's business to have that pumpkin spice flavor. It's got to be cool, cool outside for me. Um, but I'm not nuts for it, no. And the pump, piece of pumpkin pie, I'll do it on Thanksgiving only. I, I don't crave that stuff or even want uh, a second piece the next day. But just one piece every Thanksgiving. Well, this is interesting. Economists estimate that uh, Americans spend close to $500 million on <laughs> pumpkin spice-flavored items. So it's big business. <laughs> Isn't the, that the best? That is uh, amazing that there was a study done. <laughs> the cool thing is they actually said that the reason why the pumpkin spice uh, is so, uh, you know, is so it gets uh, this is the time of year where it's insanely popular is because it ties into nostalgia. They did a great um study not too long ago that said that smells can evoke a number of memories you can smell like a certain kind of cooking and be transported to your grandma's kitchen or for sure you know you smell a certain smell somewhere and you instantly think of a classroom or a place you visited because smells are such strong triggers for memories i don't doubt that at all. For for me, top of mind has nothing to do with what we're talking about. Uh, I guess pumpkin spice wise, but uh, smell wise, it does. What, my uh, school bus when I was in yeah. first grade had a smell, and whenever I get on a, a, a bus now, like a school bus, uh, for whatever reason, if somebody's using it for transport for a group of people, I mean, you, as an adult, you do find yourself on a school bus or a, a ref, you know, a renovated school bus that's been painted blue for whatever reason. Uh, <laughs> as soon as I get on a school bus and smell that those green leather seats, I am instantly in uh, first grade in 1976, I, every single time. And, and sometimes I smell that smell when I'm nowhere near a school bus. I don't even know where the smell is emanating from, but I'm like, 
I'm six years old again. It smells like I'm on the school bus going to first grade. I can smell it. Absolutely. That's why that smell, you know, the smell is such a strong trigger. Ironically, of all the senses, our smell uh, of the five senses tends to be one of the underutilized uh, senses that we have. And you'll appreciate this. If you were to go up to a real pumpkin, slice it open with a knife, it doesn't smell anything like pumpkin spice. What we're smelling is a blend of anywhere up to five different spices, including cinnamon, ginger, cloves, nutmeg, and allspice. And those are the scents that we associate with Thanksgiving and family and get-togethers. And as you said, uh, a brisk fall afternoon. So the sense of pumpkin spice is much more compelling than the actual flavor of pumpkin spice. It never really occurred to me that pumpkin spice doesn't taste anything like pumpkin. It reminds me of no. uh, strawberry Fanta. I love strawberry soda. doesn't really taste like a strawberry, but I still love it. No, it's funny you said <laughs> that. Yeah, there's certain strawberry candies where you're going, is, is this really what strawberry is supposed to taste like? I'm fooling myself. It's, it's a food group. I love fruit. I'll, I'll drink strawberry soda all day and call it one of the major food, food groups. Strawberry soda. You're getting your serving of fruits and vegetables. Absolutely. Uh, a new study from Cambridge University in England believes that robots might be the future of children's mental health. And I know that sounds like an interesting stretch, but they did a little study with a robot that was about the size of the child, and they felt like the child felt like they could share more of their thoughts and feelings with a robot. They were not uncomfortable with that as, at all, because as you know, uh, all the stories and sci-fi and films uh, featuring robots or robotic creatures uh, you would think that a, a child might be kind of scared off, but no, they actually have some empathy and actually want to share with the robot. You know, I don't think humanity will be happy until we can't talk to each other at all. <laughs> I, I, you're telling me on the heels of what social media has done to people and how people don't leave their basements now. And they don't even interact with their neighbors. Now you're telling me the studies show that children will open up more to a robot than to a person. <laughs> Isn't that the best? Yeah, I guess, you know, when you put it that way, it's like you and I have always said, like, uh, don't share these thoughts and feelings with loved ones. Go to Twitter and let people really know how you feel. <laughs> yeah, I don't uh, I'm not hopeful for, for this where this research is going to go. Well, they don't think that robots will completely, you know, put psychiatrists and uh, psychologists out of business, but they just found it was real interesting. And you're right. It might be an offshoot of the fact that, you know, with social media and with the interface in general, whether it's a screen or a keyboard, it does put some distance between you and other people. You know, Jay, sometimes I do at the end of a long day, I break down and start crying in a conversation I'm having with my microwave. It's just me in the kitchen <laughs> all by myself, and I do tend to open up more uh, with with my microwave as it's cooking my, my dinner, which is popcorn. 
Uh, which is which is sadly popcorn, <laughs> which may underscore other sadnesses and other problems I may or may not be having at this I, moment. Okay, so I, is the point I of this, can neither confirm nor deny. The point of the story is if if you cannot afford a therapist, just yes. just talk to your microwave, and you'll be just fine. Well, and let's put it this way: you may have to quantify which is more expensive. Uh, a, a psychologist or a robot because robots aren't inexpensive we, we we know that you're not lying bro I, you know it, <laughs> this this story is nothing but there is no good to this story you got to buy a, a therapy robot now to <laughs> have in your house robot. I, I haven't a even gotten an robot. ipad yet and now i got to get a therapy <laughs> robot <laughs> well, you mentioned tailgating, and you're absolutely yeah. correct. As we're getting ready to kick into the college football season, part of the uh, pageantry of college football is, of course, indulging heavily out in the parking lot. And one poll and Hormel Foods uh, polled 5,000 Americans. That's uh, uh, the, in all 50 states to ask them about some of their tailgating. Uh, preferences and 84% of Americans feel that if you attend a tailgate, you should bring an item with you. Oh, without question. No, no doubt about it. If, if you show up, I go to a lot of tailgates and uh, my daughter's in college right now and we go to uh, some tailgates with her and her friend's parents. I don't even know them. I will not go unless I have at least a bag of chips to bring. You cannot walk yeah. up to somebody else's tailgate and start, you know, putting your dirty fingers through their uh, checks mix without actually having something to add to the uh, You gotta have to something, absolutely. So you're absolutely correct. Now, uh, they also queried Americans, which do you prefer at the tailgate? Hot dogs or hamburgers, and which one do you think won? Well, it's got to be hamburgers. It was. Burgers uh, are more popular than hot dogs um, by I, about a 15% margin. Because I think, because the deal is, uh, this is how I approach it, I'm going to get a stadium hot dog no matter what when I'm in the stadium. So right. I, I don't need a hot dog now. I'm not going to get a cheeseburger when I'm in the stadium. I'm getting a stadium dog. So I'll take two or three cheeseburgers at the tailgate and... Then when I go in, I'll get two or three stadium dogs. That's the strategy. I like the fact that we, the Adam Ridge Show is designed to inspire, learn a little bit about public affairs, perhaps get healthier. And then we've just had a host freely admit, I'm going to eat two or three cheeseburgers <laughs> at the tailgate and then later get a stadium dog because I really need to top off my sodium levels. I mean, we haven't even <laughs> talked about Cracker Jack yet. No, <laughs> you know I've hosted some tailgates, and as the host of a tailgate, you do notice when somebody shows up to partake and they didn't bring anything. You notice that, and you remember yeah. it. Yeah, and it's you know this is a social social grace that I think uh, is important to talk about. And I'd say even outside of tailgating, if you do anything or go anywhere, bring something. Be con be conscious of the host. Write a thank you note when it's over. I mean, we've really lost a lot of our social graces uh, uh, recently, I think. And if you mention 84% say you should bring something, I mean, who are the 16%? Who are those people? <laughs> well, they're the ones that are not invited back to the next tailgate, I believe. <laughs> what is their philosophy? They've actually, they believe it's okay to just wander up to somebody's table, eat some veggie dip, grab a, grab a cheeseburger, 
without contributing at all to the event. I, I, I don't want to know those people. They're not invited to my no, tailgate. No, I'm with you. Well, you know, uh, with uh, a lot of NFL tailgates, there's a lot of fans that are in close proximity that don't know each other as well sometimes as the collegiate crowd. So I've always uh, jokingly said the really the only thing you need for the NFL tailgate is your very own Chinette plate where you just walk amongst people, smile, right. ask about somebody named Bill, and help yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? Since uh, I'd like to mention uh, on the closing note here, we've got about a minute left. Uh, with college tailgating, with Labor Day weekend, this is uh, football season is back, baby. And if uh, you find yourself at a tailgate, uh, drinking and alcohol uh, tends to be uh, an issue at stadiums across America. So just pace yourself, especially if you're going to a game in the South. I mean, it is still going to be in the 90-degree temperatures uh, in the early part of the season especially. And if you've been at a tailgate since 8 o'clock in the morning and the game's at 3 o'clock, um, that's a long day to be drinking beer outside in the heat. So stay hydrated, stay um, as sober as possible. You do not want to get into a stadium with 80,000 people that are also drunk, and that is a recipe for disaster. So uh, just keep your wits about yourself. Have a great fall as we begin uh, the end of summer and the beginning of fall. Now that we're in September, Jay Baker, I'm excited for the topics we're going to talk about. We'll get Dallas Clark back on the show to talk about his foundation work and how this uh, Iron Man turned out for him. And um, just looking forward to the new season. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. Learn more on our website, adamritzshow.com. The Adam Ritz Show is recorded live in studio at the Vibonomics Worldwide Headquarters. Learn more about the Vibonomics Audio Out-of-Home Marketplace at vibonomics.com. For information on this broadcast, including past on-demand episodes, interview submissions, and syndication contacts, visit adamritzshow.com.